0: <clears throat> Welcome back everybody to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 80. Uh Daniel's going to take a little break so he's not with us today. Um oh, yeah. but- <laughs> he actually, I sent him on a on an errand. He went to go do the food <laughs> shopping. Um, but anyway, uh, please, uh, if you don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. If you really enjoy the show and you want to financially contribute, there are links in the description: PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, all the things. Um, today we have the comedian, documentarian, uh, husband, Mister Eric Abenate. Did I pronounce that correctly?
1: Very good. It's Abenante. You you've gotten ninety eight percent right. That's that's way higher marks than most people get. I get Abernathy, Alabenin. I've I've gotten. I, I people just give up. They see the ABB and they're like, eh, screw it, you know. So, you know, yeah, I, know I, I really appreciate being on because honestly, it's refreshing to talk to any person with balls. You know, most most have been removed the last two years. So you know, I am very glad that I'm talking to a fellow warrior in the fight.
0: Oh, thank you. It was high praise. Uh, we really enjoyed speaking with your wife, the lovely Lila. She yeah, was- she,
1: she's my better half. Everyone likes her more than me. But you know what? I'm cool, too.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, exactly. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Specifically, uh, why don't we start off with comedy? Um because that is how you, you met Lila. And she is also a comedian and I also love the, the art. I think of it as white magic in a way. It's got like this like power to bring about positive emotion and healing and fun times. Um, so just why don't you just tell us, how did you get into it? Like what, what started you and, and how was your, you know, your journey going? Uh, absolutely I,
1: I love the analogy for for the sensitive people he's he's saying that in the opposite of black magic which is the dark arts it's not a racial thing get over yourselves anyways <laughs> you know um so we met uh we met doing stand-up i actually you know we're i was an open micer. you know uh, uh, to describe comedy most people don't even understand this um i'll give you an analogy kind of like karate where there's certain belts and you go up You know, you're an open micer, which essentially means you've never been paid to do stand-up. You're a comedian the moment you've been paid to do stand-up. And then there's opener, feature, headliner, national headliner, and then you have, you know, you're doing stadiums, theaters, etc. But Lila, when I met her, first year, was a headliner. That's crazy. You know, um, I mean, I technically I'm I'm a comedian because I've been paid to do it once. But in reality, I'm kind of like an open micer in the sense like you haven't raising rising through the ranks in comedy is very hard. And, you you know, there's a lot of dues being paid. She was so undeniable. First year, her instincts were a 10 year comedian. She was crushing it at the comedy store. I mean, it was it was phenomenal to watch. So I'm an open micer. We're just at a we're just at a mic and I. I know Lila in the scene. She's kind of infamous and famous. I jokingly called her the mayor of L.A. because everyone knows Lila. She's unforgettable. And so, you know, I, I, I saw her at a mic uh, with my ex-girlfriend at the time who was also an open miker. And, you know, oh, she was just incredible. She was doing jokes that literally had never been done in comedy history. And so I'm telling my ex-girlfriend this after we watch her. And uh, as, as you can imagine, not very happy with me um, talking about how this other open micer is literally comedy history. And what we just watched was comedy history. And that woman is going to be the greatest female comedian of our generation because she can say things and talk about things that have never been talked about. She is akin to Joan Rivers because Joan Rivers was the first great female comedian because she started off as a fat, unpopular person. You need to have adversity in your life that you overcome with humor to become a comedian. In, a, in essence, that's that's how all funny people become funny. And so Lila had a ton of adversity. You can go to her episode to learn more about that on these guys' channel, but it is, you know, she had to overcome so much, so her first year, and then also she, she had a ton of speaking experience. She raised over a million dollars for the YMCA doing tours, like when before she was 18. Wow. You know, so she was a killer on stage the moment she stepped on. She just had to learn how to write and uh, how to turn all of her the gold that had happened into her life into material. And she had to learn, you know, the, the true art of the craft. And so that's where I really came in, in terms of, you know, I, I'm a comedy nerd. I know comedy history and I love comedy history and you know, I got her to appreciate and love it as much as I did. So I thought I was really slick. I had this cool backyard comedy show. I was like, okay, I'll book Lila as the headliner for my first, you know, backyard comedy show. it be a, and it was a big splash. I mean, she is a bit, she was a big get at the time, big get now, but you know, for an open micer, that, that was a legit headliner to, to open your show. And, still with my ex-girlfriend at the time and you know she she just crushed it she's a star I walk her to her car because I'm a good host and she you know we just had a moment where I was just like wow I really uh, not only do I respect admire her but I do like her and so uh, things moved on from there we uh, we had this uh we had this comedy network I started this with another comedian where we would we we had a group of comedians we would make content online because what i what the way i uh, pitched it to the other comedian who i started it with was there is no independent open mic comedy network to have all this content from this era would be absolutely amazing because all uh, you know all the great comedians what's the stand-up you want to look up the most you type in on youtube Early Joan Rivers, early Don Rickles, early Chris Rock, early Dave Chappelle. You want to see those sets. Those are the most interesting sets you can find. There's a great set, uh, Mitch Hedberg and um, Doug Stanhope, way before they were good. In fact, Mitch Hedberg, who is one of my favorites, he had not figured it out at all at this point. <laughs> and to, to be able to watch those was amazing. So we had this comedy network, early stand-up. And I pitched to Lila, you got to have a show on my network. You know, and it, so we did small talk. It was an interview show. And from that really it was where our relationship, uh, you know, kindled. We worked together much like how you work with your spouse. That is really the key is we we kind of started as a husband and wife team the moment we were dating. And so we've always worked well together. It's not easy, as you know. To Work with somebody and then live with them, we lived with each other pretty much month one I mean really day one she moved she's like she was just hanging wow. out with me, you know, but you know she, she we've been living together for five years, and you 've been living with your spouse for a long time, and people who uh, live with their spouses and work with them also who are watching this, they can relate it's not easy, but you're doing it with your ultimate partner, so you know that the ultimate trust is there, so there is there's a beauty to it but it's not easy but i know why you do it too because that's the only person you can truly trust to do stuff when you're not doing stuff that's the key and it is so nice to to have someone you're like i can trust this person that's key
0: yeah and it helps too when they they sort of balance you out like daniel sort of does like the artsy things and the creative side and I'm a little bit more like scientifically minded and grounded and down to earth kind of things i'm like, so we have our, our different specialties.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, even your guys is uh, just like Lila and I, how we kind of have uh, we like we like you perfectly said, like we bounce each other out. She's more of the, you know, uh, sh- she's really into dressing up and you know, and she's and she, she's shredded too. She's got like big arms and stuff, she's strong, you know, and it's like it's so funny because you look at Daniel, dude shredded. It's hilarious. He is, is and he's—he's he's very much into it. You and I are more of like we're—we're we're here to fight the war, you know. Eh, you know, looks—we look great. We don't care, you know. <laughs> we don't care. We don't need to. We don't need to show off, you know. We're here to fight the war, and guess what? We look good doing it too. But you know, we don't need abs. <laughs> we got abs, but we got a little bit of, you know, a little bit they something. Come, to cover they, it. Go,
0: they go, you know, because we're because
1: we're, we're working on the war, okay.
0: Yeah, like there, there's some things that are you know more important sometimes. I
1: just need to talk crap on him having abs.
0: I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> well, you know, he works very hard to have those abs. It's uh you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But he's got the bandwidth. He's got the time. You know, to, to put in the effort. He has a good partner supporting him. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just like, go, Daniel, go. <laughs> Um I wanted to ask you what is you know what is funny like how do we know what's funny I mean uh, obviously, obviously when people laugh on stage you know that's sort of like proof but the comedian we as the comedian as the comic you know as a stand up or open micer we don't know it's if it's going to land until we sort of try it out Um, So what's your process there on how do you decide what to try out? Like, what do you think is funny? Like, what are some subject areas or some ways you like to play with ideas in order to make them, you know, funny?
1: Yeah. And uh, before I go into this, the magic of comedy is you can know all of the things, but that doesn't mean you can execute on stage. You know, you know how to run the play, but executing that play with different variables each time is hard. And so, really, what is funny? Well, it's being honest and vulnerable on stage whilst connecting with the audience. Which is why you don't really find internet comedy funny, like Zoom comedy, because there's no connection with the audience. That's the key thing missing. Comedians need that energy, that feedback, that input, or else there's really... It's a, it, it, in the end, it may be a monologue when you're on stage, but it's a dialogue in the sense of, I need your feedback. I need to listen to you react to what I'm saying to really know where I am. In the end, a good comedian may dictate to the audience, but he still listens to the audience as well and understands where they're at. The key thing that um, most young comedians don't understand is one word, context. Chris Rock is one of the best at context. Why does he repeat things over and over in his set? So nothing goes over your head. He wants to have as high accuracy as possible with his jokes. He doesn't want people to get them later, you know, and that's a key thing. Most comedians actually have good punchlines. They have terrible setups. They have terrible premises. The context is not there to understand why your point is funny. That's a big issue. We've all had that issue, especially years one to 10 you usually see comedians struggle with this the most context in their head. Very funny. Can they elocute it to the audience? Oftentimes not.
0: Yeah. And then and sometimes it's not even necessarily what you say, but how you say it, you know, the delivery, you know, can be funny or not, depending on where you place an inflection on whether or not you give a facial or another body language uh, cue along with it. So it, it's, it's, a very, it's almost like cooking in that, you know, it's you're mixing a bunch of ingredients together to sort of get like the best product out. And just like cooking, you know, you have to do it a whole lot. You know, you have to be on stage a whole lot. In order to to make the magic happen, in order to have the you know, just the the experience under your belt, in order to find those expressions and those twists of phrase and how to relay the context or the setup or the premise of the joke, uh, it's it's a very interesting process. I find it like you know just very fascinating altogether.
1: And it's funny because comedians uh, comedians get compared to uh, like the, there's five universals, and by five universals I mean five things. All people can do, want to do great, but only a select few, few people can do great. Cooking is one of them. Everyone loves good food. Yes. Everyone loves to eat good food. That's a universal thing. Music and dancing. Everyone loves good music, and everyone's impressed by, like, a Michael Jackson type. They you are know, Bruno Mars type. That's a universal
0: trait. Or you can just play an instrument well. You know. You yeah, can so have-
1: yeah. That's what I was getting at. M- yeah. uh, the, the The great, you know, the great musicians. So you have then you have TV and movies. That's a universal thing. People always appreciate that. You have sports. You have sports. That is everyone can appreciate a great sports star. And then comedians. Those are the five universals. Everyone wants to be one of those five. In essence, and not everyone can do it everyone can do it. Not everyone can do it. And so it's that that's the coolest part about what we do is that it's it it is a universal thing that everyone can appreciate, but it is hard to actually do it. If you watch our Dick Gregory documentary, we have we have 30 minute excerpts of the comedy documentaries up right now. You'll see that Dick Gregory talks about things that other comedians especially black comedians talk about but he doesn't do it in a way that alienates people he does it and he he has credibility because he was at all these civil rights marches actually he got shot in the leg once during these marches and it was actually by a black guy and he said the reason why i told people that is because i wouldn't want the cops to lose like some of their credibility this is a man who was fair this is a man who when he talked about black and white he criticized both evenly. When he talked about Democrat and Republican, he criticized both evenly. You can talk about all these issues. You have to maintain your credibility on stage. You have to maintain your likability on stage. And you have to be truthful and honest and vulnerable. You can't pander and you can't spread your own agenda. That's the main issue. Even with great comedians, I love Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, honestly, out of the great comedians, has been the nicest to Lila personally, in intimate moments, like one-on-one, has been cool to Lila. It's hard for me to criticize Dave Chappelle in any way. I grew up watching and loving Dave Chappelle, Jon Stewart, and the South Park guys. They were all on the same network at the same time. I grew up to watch great comedy. What Dave Chappelle did after 2020 was horrific and boring and preachy, and it was nothing. Like what Dick Gregory did. What Dick Gregory, it was more like what Lenny Bruce did, honestly. A podcast. Kind of boring. A little preachy. Dick Gregory was able to elevate all these things and be hilarious while doing it. In key moments, the the, the excerpt of the Dick Gregory thing, you all need to watch. This man was at the 1963 civil rights protest in Birmingham. He was put in jail for four days. They released him. They allowed him to do a press conference because he's a comedian. He turned it into a standup set. And it's literally, it's the greatest standup set in the history of time. When you consider the circumstances and the fact that he was in jail for four days, and this is all he could think about. And he roasted the dude who put him in jail. It's some of the most epic jokes you'll ever hear. And I try and in the thing, show you who bull Connor was and the significance of, of those jokes, and more importantly, every person there was over two thousand in, in the in the thing I show you. They they refer to to as two thousand Negroes in the audience. You know, that at the time that was the actual uh, term for it. Uh, you know, I, if you said black, the white people in the audience would be like, "What's that?" They literally didn't know. So, the, the, you you watched two thousand people watching this man set. Every single one of them, their lives were better for the rest of their lives because they heard these words and he made them overcome the adversity in their lives. And he did it with humor where they could laugh and feel good and release all the tension. That's comedy. That's really what, what comedy is at its highest level, is helping people in the audience. Your bacon jokes don't help anybody, okay? Your TikTok jokes don't help anybody, these are the jokes that helped people, and they continue to help people. My number one rule on my list for my top 50 do your jokes stand the test of time? And then every decade, how well will it stand the test of time? You look at Dick Gregory, Joan Rivers, Bill Cosby, Woody Allen, 60 years later, their jokes still hit. Tell me, are your jokes going to hit 60 years later? You're joking about Drake. No one knows who Drake is 10 years from now. It's true. That's the comedians do not have this understanding and perception of how their comedy will be viewed a day from now, let alone a year from now, let alone a hundred years from now. They don't get that. The, com- the great comedians, they understand that. And that's what my wife is going to be, about, frankly.
0: Yeah. Can I can I show you something that I was looking at and maybe just reaction to it? Always. So I, I didn't know who Hannah Gadsby was. And yeah. one day yeah. I was. R- uh, incoming rant. I'm just letting <laughs> you know, I'm gonna let you talk for a
1: little bit because I'm getting angry just Bro, mentioning the just name.
0: Hold just hold it for after so that the audience can see. I have examples. Um, but I, I didn't heard who Hannah Gatsby was until I saw I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw like a Netflix ad for her special, and you know, like I'm like, I like comedy specials. Like, click and I click it, and there's she's talking and she's delivering punchlines, and there's a laugh track to indicate when the punchlines are. But I don't think she's funny at all, and I'm just like, really? I'm like, this person has a Netflix special, and and there's a commercial and everything, and like, she's not, she's not funny. <laughs> and so I went he back and so. I edited out the laugh track and I put crickets. <laughs> <in her. laughs> no way. <laughs> fun. Um, so maybe for the audience, we can just. This is a snippet I found. Uh, where she's talking about her experience at the doctor. So we'll just play a little bit here.
2: I had to see a doctor. Uh, This was a while ago, um, because I had some issues with my Douglas environment, very broadly speaking. Um, And my regular doctor was away, so I was seeing her replacement. Uh, Now, the replacement doctor was not a doctor I would ever have chosen for myself. We weren't a good match. We didn't get along from the get-go. He was a fucking arrogant asshole. I mean, he was a qualified doctor as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, this is that is a She's setting diagram it up, right? With a lot of crossover. <laughs> I'm going to stick it up. Okay, okay that there part. it is. Now, Dr. Dick Biscuit decided after running no tests She's calling him Dick that Biscuit. the solution to my Douglas malaise was that I should go on the pill. The pill. There's more proof. Men have named all the things. The pill. That's a bit fucking vague, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty Most things you prescribe, doctor, could be called a, a pill. It's like, yes, but this is the pill. The pill. It sounds like this is just a giant pill in the town square we all scurry out and nibble on. It's Monday. <laughs> what does it do? Witchcraft, shut up, call it a pill. And <laughs> I said to Dr. Dick this because I said, look, I don't want to take the pill. I've been on the pill before, and the pill tends to give me suicidal ideation. <laughs> you thought I was all out of trauma. <laughs> Now, Dr. Dick Biscuit didn't enjoy me bringing that to the table, the table being a consultation about my body. He's like, no, no, thank you very much. And you know what he did? He shushed me. He said, you will do well to listen to me. (laughs) It was our first fight. And I did what I always do in a bit of conflict. I made a joke. This was my joke. I said, instead of going on the pill, how about I have a hysterectomy? Yep, you get it. I don't know why he did One get person it. As laughs far as jokes go. That's a classic. I can't. <laughs> See,
0: that's I don't I that's where I, actually
2: I
1: I'll was. be honest. If, <laughs> if if your comedy makes me black out in the middle of it and make me reconsider my life decisions, why am I watching this? What's going on? Why am I here? That's not good. Okay. I mean okay. Hey, my mom, my mom actually my mom taught me something very important when I was a kid, and it actually affected me for the rest of my life. You know, she was she's she's short, so she was in gymnastics. And back in the day, the way gymnastics worked was you were graded on your difficulty of the trick first. And then, no, so let's say it was a four out of 10 difficulty. You could nail it, crush it, perfection. You get a four. Okay. And Hannah Gadsby stuff, in terms of difficulty and then outcome, no matter what, it's between a one and a three out of 10. So it's like, <laughs> who cares? Why are you even attempting these jokes? The pill joke, for instance. I'm listening to that. It's like why? Why? You could nail this joke as best as possible. That's one chuckle from four people. Wow. And you're in a theater with thousands of people. Mind you, they're all told you better laugh. You have to be a great audience. They're really threatened before the show. Well, this you better, is better a, be a good it's audience.
0: Netflix. It's a Netflix. This is a clip from her net, one of the specials, I guess, because it's a clip from Netflix. It's,
1: it, it, it shows that this is what happens when you do not exist in a meritocracy, when things are constantly rigged, when people who do not deserve to be up there but were, pro, were, were propped up there, That's how you know we're in a society that is not a meritocracy. If we were in a society that was a meritocracy, I know 10 people who've never been on TV in their lives who deserve a Netflix special. And they will never be on Netflix because they are more akin to Patrice O'Neill and Cat Williams. Great people, but the business hates them. And sometimes it's not even their fault. Cat Williams, the only reason the business hates them is because because he owns all of his things. If you own everything that you do, the industry will hate you no matter what. You could be Gandhi, okay? It doesn't matter. If they can't control you, if you leave the plantation, they hate you. And that really is the ultimate thing with comedians. A lot of the comedians who have been depicted negatively i'm not talking about carlos mincy i'm not talking about joke thieves i'm talking about the industry paints them bad dick gregory was a great yes. example of this he owned all his down own down. things and he was painted out to be bad joan rivers tried to gain her independence from johnny carson they blacklisted her ass this is what happens to comedians who try to obtain their own power uh let me give you a quick example bill cosby people hate him he is the number one king of diversity. In the whole entertainment industry, when he was on iSPy Spy in 1963, you know, the show is set in like, I think Hong Kong or something. And, you know, he's the only black person on set. And he's like, you, you know, can we have some background actors that aren't white? You know, they don't have to be black necessarily because some of them be Asian, Hispanic and black. And they're like, well, it's set in Hong Kong. And he's like, well, why am I on set? <laughs> and that shut them up. And he made a rule. One of every five people on set, whether their background, whether they work on the show, they have to be a non-white person or just a woman. He fought for everybody. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about his extracurricular activities, you know, outside of comedy. Uh, We're not discussing that. I actually did (laughs) knock him down a couple of slots for that. But um, I'm telling you what he did for the industry was great. And that was part of why the industry didn't like him. Now, yeah, keep the sexual stuff off the side cause it complicates it. But he actually was very important for a lot of comedians stand on his shoulders and are able to speak because of what he did, what Dick Gregory did. And those two are not heralded the way they should be. It is fascinating. Red Fox, an incredibly important comedian. And it's like, it's always Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, All those men wouldn't exist without the three men I mentioned. So this is why what we're doing with the we what we're doing is uh, we started with American history of voter fraud, and then we kind of created a series, American history of stand-up comedy. We'll do other American history type things. We're kind of doing an American history of big pharma, but we're going to retitle it something different. But it's essentially a series. We want to show you the history of how these things occurred because they want to do revisionist history. They want to do memory hole. Why? Because we exist in a communist society, a quasi communist society where people get canceled. That is akin to Mao Zedong's struggle sessions. This is what happens to everyone. So, you know, yeah, Bill Cosby did some bad stuff. I mean, everyone on the Epstein flight logs. A OK. Bill Cosby got to take him down. I wonder why. This and you look at what the FBI and the CIA does, you know, uh, they 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 do a lot of rape in the guise of intelligence. So, you know, it's very funny how we selectively apply these rules specifically to the people who are a threat to the powerful. I always find that fascinating.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, selective application of, you know, moral and ethical judgments Uh, When we think about things like, you know, how Bill Cosby was portrayed versus how Jeffrey Epstein was portrayed. Um, And a
1: great example, Woody Allen, like, yes, his, his wife was a victim 13 to 18 after 18 and they're still together. I don't know. Sounds like she's having a good time. See, she, she, maybe she made the right choice. Yes. I don't agree with a 13 to 18 period, a little creepy Woody, but you know, once they're all, it's funny. We take down Woody, even though there's one victim and she's still with him okay so and then we're but he gets <clears throat> attacked more than jeffrey epstein all the people on the flight logs our current president his son
0: yeah, yeah we, just, maybe oh, we woody allen oh no woody allen We got to stop him from going to Knicks games. What do you think about, um, you know, let's, let's get onto that topic a little bit because I have this, I'm working with this hypothesis that Joe Biden is a serial sexual predator and that he not only abused his kids, but you know, that there's evidence of all of that floating out there. And that's why it's such a national security concern. That's why the FBI got so crazy over Ashley Biden's diary. Um, Actually, it's, it's, What you're saying shouldn't be brave,
1: but it is, unfortunately, because what you've said is documented, acknowledged. I mean, it's not even a debate, actually. What you said, there is no other side to because we have documentation at this point, admitted documentation, and then, okay, let's even take it a step below documentation. Just look at the body language of every single woman in that family when they're around that man. Okay, uh, uh I don't know. Even circumstantial evidence doesn't help you here.
0: There's even a video of like him hugging Hillary Clinton at one point, and she has to be like, "Stop! Like, get your like, okay, enough!" <laughs> she like okay. smacks your handsy.
1: Yeah, like get get away, get away. You know, I'm not I I'm not one of the the ones you can get away with this on. You know, Sorry. I'm I'm Hillary Clinton. I kill people. Okay, allegedly. <laughs>
0: I mean, there's a lot of bodies in her past, you know, um,
1: uh, for, for those of you, uh, you need to watch my Webster Hubble clip. You need to watch my Webster Hubble clip. It reveals the true father of Chelsea Clinton, allegedly. But when you look at the photos and then you look at the circumstantial evidence and the fact that the Webster Hubble was Bill and Hillary Clinton's best friend since they studied the bar together in college and The admiration that he has for Hillary when he talks about her and the smack talk he has for Bill when he talks about him. okay, and the position of power this man rose to during the Clinton administration. This guy was even involved in Waco. okay. you need to watch the Webster Hubble clip because it shows you the exact type of stuff that Brantley is talking about with Biden. The corruption of the political system. How disgusting these people are! LBJ had three kids out of wedlock, on record. Okay, <laughs> are we kidding? And but and, and but he was the one who told the FBI, "Let's uh, parrot this propaganda about my uh, he, essentially his opponents. He wanted to be the president. My opponent, JFK, uh, being a womanizer, really." LBJ, th- you couldn't even pull out properly, okay? <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Idiot. At least, at least you, you were just jealous of JFK because the women were hotter, okay? Were. LBJ, you were pulling uh, Lady Bird, Johnson. Ugh. E- you know, disgusting, okay, comparatively to JFK. This man
0: like was yeah, I mean.
1: You know, and, and, and the, the saddest part is JFK, right? This is the bravest president we've had, the only president we had until Donald Trump, who stood up to the FBI and the CIA. And how do we remember him? Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) That is FBI-CIA propaganda. They don't want you to remember this is a World War II veteran who shouldn't have even been alive. His story was beyond heroic. What he did for this country was amazing. Some of his politics were a little bit off, but to be honest with you, most of what he did was incredible. His brother destroyed. Actually, uh, kind of. uh, We're gonna go over this in a future film. Don't worry, guys. I got you on this. But you know, his brother kind of got his ass killed. uh, You know, by you know taking down the FBI, and then uh, both of them were like, "Okay, let's uh, let's break up the FBI and the CIA." They were so brave. They got killed over it. Okay, that's bravery. That's true bravery. You stood up to the powerful to the point where like they had to murder you. Impressive. And it wasn't even just one group of powerful people. Okay. This is where people get the JFK thing wrong. It wasn't just the military. It wasn't just the FBI or the CIA. It wasn't just even the mafia. It wasn't just those three groups. There's even more than that. It's one of the hardest stories ever told. We will tell it. Trump, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, 2017 released 4 million documents related to JFK. So guess what? It's, uh, It's actually for the first time at the point. Or you can solve it. And we did. And you won't even get murdered over it because it's released. They said it's cool now. Nice. Got it. I, it, I'm telling you, we don't even know our own history about how our own president got murdered. And But we think, oh, uh, yeah, Joe Biden's telling the truth about his daughters and all this other stuff. I mean, Ashley Biden's diary, if it was, if it was misinformation with the FBI and the CIA literally break into the project Veritas headquarters, even though they gave it to them themselves and said, here it is. Um, they, they did everything journalistically correct on it. They didn't even, uh, they didn't even post it cause they hadn't verified it yet. They were doing all the journalistic things you were supposed to do correctly. And, uh, apparently we don't live in a free country anymore. We live in a ba- banana Republic, a quasi communist society where you cannot expose the powerful at all in any way, even if you're 100% right. It's misinformation because it's not the information they want out there. That's the only reason it's misinformation, even though it's documented. As everything Brantley said was documented. I want you to remember that.
0: Well, look how they treat actual whistleblowers. I mean... Uh, Poor Bradley Manning went into solitary confinement as a gay man and came out as a trans woman like Lord knows what they did to him while he was in their custody that encouraged him to transition. They they drove that person nuts. I don't care what you
1: say. They tortured that person and any results of that is actually I have empathy, severe empathy for it because you do not know what the FBI and the CIA does to you. Uh, And these are the people who survived. Look at Lenny Bruce. They killed his ass. Okay. There are so many people, Medgar Evers, MLK. They have killed so many people on record. How do I say on record? Well, if you have assassination attempts for them recorded and then they die shortly after, I'm sorry. That is
0: um, a little suspicious. Yeah, totally. Totally. Not to mention the fact that there's just so many people who happen to be working on things that you know go against the CIA's agenda, like infamously, Michael hastings, a uh, Rolling Stone reporter, was working on a series of articles about john brennan ex CIA director who was the CIA director at the time he was working on the articles. Um, and he is concerned for his life. He tells his family and friends that he's worried about, you know, people following him. He sees somebody messing with his car, um, and you know, he was out, I think, at a bar or something, and asks to borrow somebody else's car so that he can drive, you know, so he can get home. Uh, dude wouldn't let him take his car gets into his car to drive home and it takes off like a bat out of hell he's going it, it's going way out of control and it just ends up s- swerving off of wilshire boulevard crashing right into a tree car explodes and he dies and that was the end of michael Hastings. and you know anybody who like looks at the situation who's done the research who has done the due diligence looks into it and it's like yeah they killed him and It's just still to this day, there's no acknowledgement that, you know, any elements of our government like actually murdered him. But it goes to show that, you know, what we think of as our free and open society, what we think of as our freedoms, you know, they only exist in this space that is this like narrow Overton window, where as soon as we go outside of, you know, the boundaries that have been set for us by the powers that be, as soon as we threaten their establishment, you know, with some kind of exposure, information, um then they they will they'll take you out you know either through you know directly like they assassinated him uh you know like they killed Michael Hastings in the car or, or you know they'll assassinate your character like they've done to Alex Jones like they've done to Donald Trump um and these are the the weapons that they have in their arsenal and people just have this like very surface level analysis where they they just see the thing on the surface and they're like oh that's just what it appears to be Come on, really like how often are things as simple as they appear you know sometimes a cigar is just a cigar but whenever you start to get into this space where you're talking about you know espionage and and in conspiracy like very rarely is the cigar just a cigar so yeah
1: that was a perfect uh retelling I, uh, your brain has abs take that um
0: <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you what do you think about Breitbart um, you know, the story of Andrew Breitbart is, is really interesting. You know, he's another one that I think he died mysteriously of like a heart attack uh, shortly after he publicly started talking about pedophilia amongst the elites. Um, because you know, very interesting. Like this, this story is actually old. You know, it goes back into the eighties. You know, there was a big scandal back in the eighties called the Franklin scandal, uh, with a Republican, uh, co- uh, Republican guy uh, by the name of Larry King Lawrence King. He was African American uh, banker and businessman in Omaha, Nebraska. In the late 70s, early 80s, and he was running this thing called the Franklin Credit Union, which he used as a personal piggy bank while he was trafficking children from the local Catholic orphanage um, to Hollywood and to D.C., and he got connected to the White House through uh, some, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he was in the, the Reagan White House. And this guy was having call boys come in and they all got connected and it came out and it got exposed. And then, it, you know, eventually everything sort of got, of all the child trafficking stuff got hushed away. And it was just left as this like financial crimes thing and adult uh, prostitution, uh, you know, scandal that just caught a couple of reagan staffers but that was just the first whisperings of this thing and the whole time you know meanwhile uh at the same time in new york uh Bill Barr's father, Donald Barr, gave Jeffrey Epstein a job at the Dalton School, which is this very prestigious, you know, private boarding school. And the girls are starting to complain about this guy because he's behaving weird. You know, he's making off-color remarks about, you know, the the women and the girls and all this shit. And it's just like, you know, and, and Bill Barr just happens to be the guy that's, you know, in charge of the investigation into Epstein's suicide years later, who just comes out and says, oh, it was just, you know, a bungling. It was a con- Comedy of errors. It was just you know one thing after the other, and he was able to kill himself. I'm just like, you guys really believe this dude? Like, come on! Like, he's like swamp creature. Like, like you look up swamp creature, and like Bill Barr is there. He's like been in DC forever. Um, so it just blows my mind that anybody like you know takes him seriously or thinks he's this you know fountain of veracity because you know he worked for Trump and then he like turned on Trump. So that means he's going to be honest. I'm like. Do you hear yourself? <laughs> like- uh, I mean, he's used as a cudgel
1: for both sides, and uh, he he never really had integrity to begin with. I mean, I it point to the moment where uh, the right should have been excited about him. There was never a moment. He never did anything except exist, and then this is the issue with the right. They prop up everyone who just exists on the right. You get credit for existing, and you shouldn't. You need to get credit for actually doing things. Yes. There are are people who do things on the right and they actually don't get any credit. They get attacked uh, viciously. Look at Laura Loomer. She's the Alex Jones uh, of the woman's side. She how did she get banned from CPAC? She criticized a CNN reporter for gleefully uh, celebrating Alex Jones's censorship. How did CPAC respond? Censoring her. For daring to talk about censorship. Honestly, the big issue with the right is the establishment, just like the big issue with the left is the establishment. But the people on the right, they really glorify authority, they glorify the establishment. Those are the people who hate you the most. Those are the people you need to rig an election. Here's the thing let me give you a great sports analogy. Let's say I'm, I want to throw the game for my team so I can get some money, you know? Um, well, you need my participation to do that. You on the other team, you're always trying to sack the quarterback. That's your job, actually. If I don't block you, that is me helping you. I might as well be on the other team. In fact, this happens all the time in sports. People get infiltrated. With money, usually from the mafia. Hey, you know, when the punt comes to you, just let it go by you instead of uh, kicking the ball. This is on record. It happens in sports. It happens everywhere. The old phrase in NASCAR, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. Okay? uh, You expect the other side to cheat. But it takes people on your side, complicit. Let me give you a great example. Georgia. There are three Republicans who are very complicit in this. One, you need to watch my Stacey Abrams clip exposing the fact that the head of the Georgia House of Representatives, David Ralston, not only works with Stacey Abrams, she is in his her romantic novels. She has a career writing romantic novels under the pen name Selena Montgomery. And the only person that she has as a male who is featured in the book, and she apparently used parts of her real life, Hmm. she said that she had romantic relations with David Ralston, Republican head of the House of Representatives, who (laughs) is still the head, and he has been the head since 2010. So... You guys need to watch my clip on that uh, for sure. Then, okay, Brad Raffensberger and Brian Kemp. All three of those people. Uh. You, You needed all three of those people or Stacey Abrams wouldn't have been able to do what she did in Georgia. And I know a lot of Georgians, they love Brian Kemp. Cool, he does all the things you want except the one thing where you need him. Is that the person you want or is that the ultimate traitor? The best mm-hmm. per, the best way to conceal yourself as infiltrated, as a sleeper agent for the other side. Look up Brian Kemp right now. There is a CCP website, Chinese Communist Party website, sponsored by him. Everything is in Mandarin. He had uh, Mandarin subtitles. He speaks Mandarin in it. He has been compromised.
0: Are you kidding me? Oh, man. I, people, knew, I, I knew I didn't like Brian Kemp, but I didn't know how much I didn't like Brian Kemp until just now.
1: <laughs> and then Brad Raffensberger, he might as well have been Stacey Abrams' puppet. Full up there. She had him. Complete control. He didn't blink without her permission. Okay? You have to understand that I don't— I Of course I'm trying to sack the quarterback— the only way I can really do it is if I have three of the offensive linemen say, "Olay, you can go. That's really what it is. That is how it got rigged. You cannot do it efficiently without getting both partisan election officials to both have an environment where I want to rig it against Trump. The media made an environment where... And people would do it for free. This is what people don't understand. You don't need a paper trail of buying everybody off. If there is a partisan ideological motivation to rig it against somebody, both sides, especially the establishment Republicans, they lost all their power when Trump got in. So actually, they had more of a motivation than the Democrats. The Democrats always want to rig it. Who cares? That's that, that is a constant variable. The modifiable variable, the variable that changed dramatically was when Trump got in, all of a sudden the establishment Republicans said, we'll work with the Democrats. We would rather have a compromised Democrat who we can partially control and who does essentially all the stuff that we want anyways. And uh, and and he'll look bad and we can raise money off of it. Oh, look at this idiot. And the polls are so bad. They just rigged the election in 2020. You think they care about polls? you out of your mind.
0: They rig the polls too. I mean, the poll, I think polling is like. It's information so
1: awesome. warfare. It's actually meant to suppress. These are suppression polls. These are not assessment yeah. polls. They're meant to. Make- Go to Richard Barris at People's Pundit. He is the only one I can find with actual assessment polls where you can look at the cross section tabs and it's not completely biased. Look at the cross section tabs on these information warfare polls. You will see that it's heavily favored towards the democrats they skew the independents towards the, the the towards the areas where the in, independents are in democrat areas and then they have a vastly inferior amount of republicans in the poll and then they sample out a certain amount from that but these are information warfare polls they are not reflective of the re- electorate and, we and then know they that. use
0: them, they use these, these shitty polls with maybe like a couple of hundred people, maybe a thousand. If you're, if you're really lucky to have a large sample, size. Yes, they use this to draw conclusions about, you know, everybody in America, you know, a country of 350 million plus people. And I just like, no, I don't I don't buy it. I find it so disingenuous and so misleading. There
1: and- is accurate polling. And it, to be honest, if, if you do it, you have to be as transparent as you can with the data. Like I said, Richard Barris, a people's pundit, he actually, he's not perfect, but he was damn close on 2020. He did a great job with the assessments and his numbers were actually much closer than all the other polls. You know, I'd like they had polls. Oh, tr- Trump's down 17 in Wisconsin. He had it within he had it within a percentage on all 50 states. That's so, to, so to me, if you try, there is actually an I come. I have a psychology degree, so there is a way to do a small sampling to have it reflect the larger population. It takes an incredible amount of work and it takes an incredible amount of thought and understanding of what the demographics are and you actually have to really put an attempt into sampling the proper people within it so that it's not the results you want it's the results that are reflective and there are people who do it but they are they're almost like the dodo bird they're almost extinct so i do get you're, you're, what you're saying is 99.9% true i know a couple people i'm forgetting on the others but uh, honestly uh, richard barris he's the one who deserves the credit he's the star and he's got yeah. a, and, he, and his wife, he's a husband and wife team. His wife is the only one who does all the other research. So I'm kind of biased. I like him.
0: Yeah, nice. Now, I I, I assumed there was probably a way to do scientifically accurate polling if you were genuine and honest and open in your approach.
1: There's also um, no money in it, though. To, right, exactly, exactly. Accurately. Who, who's going to lobby for that? Right. You know, because it actually, both sides don't want that. Both sides want you to think, oh, I'm killing it. And they don't want you to see the accurate thing. Even if the accurate thing is reflective of you killing it, then they will say, oh, we want people to be motivated to vote. We want them to think it's close. What? You know, it's all perception. And it's kind of disturbing when you find this out.
0: Yeah, so much perception management, like constantly ongoing, which is, you know, why as we, you know, move into this like social media and more like web three and virtual reality type thing, it's it's like, you know, we're currently at this level where it's really hard to determine reality, you know, what objectively is going on without, you know, dedicating a lot of time to sifting through different, different types of information, you know, doing your due diligence, this is wrong, this is right. Um, and then drawing conclusions from there and then networking with other like-minded people to be like, what do you think about this thing? Um, it, it's a lot of work. And, you know, it's really hard when you have this artificial, you know, r- wealthy organism, you know, like the mainstream uh, media establishment constantly pumping out lies and deception and trying to manage, you know, the, the Overton window, the range of like where you can speak without being considered crazy or, you know, whatever. Uh, it just, it blows my mind that, you know, like we don't have more people sort of participating in what I think. I think of what's going on right now is like a thought war, like we're in this like sort of global war of ideas. You know, some people have called it a spiritual war because, you know, communism is sort of like a human manifestation of evil. Um, and, and you know, it's based upon lies. And so in order to make it manifest, you kind of have to constantly speak their, their lies, their lingo. And uh, you have to get enough people to to believe it, but you know it's it's very fascinating time to be alive, and that's kind of why I come back to uh, you know like the work that you guys are doing with your documentaries exposing hidden history, you know even just recent history like the history of the last hundred fifty years is not something that we get in education, uh, in our, in our education. And so it's really important to have people like yourself and and Lila who come together and, and make it, you know, digestible. You have wonderful, like half an hour, two hour clips and and videos. You can get a lot of really dense information, uh, while you're, you're laughing at it. So I just, I wanted to plug your, your stuff here again.
1: I appreciate it. And actually let me give them a little glimpse to relate to what you're saying. The hardest part about making the film
0: by far
1: was dealing with the censorship and having to find to be able to find these clips and the worst part is so the media gets painted with this broad brush they've always been bad no 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 they have gotten progressively worse in fact the footage that we found from 1940 to 1989 was far easier to find than the footage from 1990 all the way to now because Back then, they don't hide anything. So if you, uh, you know, if you type in a key term like voter fraud, voter fraud pops up. They described it accurately. And back then, the news wasn't a propaganda machine and it wasn't editorial. You know, they they actually back then they would present the news. They wouldn't give their opinions on it, and then they would go to the next piece of news. And it was actually a lot more dense and it was a lot more informational and it was just. Frankly, more entertaining, too, because you learned a lot more and you're not getting stupid opinions that are propaganda and agenda and frankly aren't information. Just like you said, this is an information war. And back then, the media was actually pretty good at providing you with information on either side. So the media was far more trusted back then. Now, I'm telling you, a lot of the a lot of the issues was there would be footage, but it was pure propaganda within it. And I can't I can't show people pure propaganda because then they'll be confused. And so, for instance, um, uh, do, do you know Sharpie Gate in 2020 in Arizona? Mm. I'll, I'll refresh you then, because most of your audience wouldn't know either. So, uh, in Arizona in 2020, uh, especially in Maricopa and Pima counties, the, their most populous counties, they handed out Sharpies to people, and the propaganda. Would tell you, oh, sharpies were accepted. The main issue is in places like Maricopa and Pima County. They they not only do they have voting machines, which actually aren't that tamperable. They, I mean, you can tamper them, but you have to open the freaking circuit board. Like that's kind of obvious. Um, but the optical scanners, they're flawed just from their existence. The, how they are inherently built, they are meant to do voter fraud. And 50 percent of all votes in America under optical scanners, not even voting machines can say that there are there are a lot of places that do paper ballots. This this is more ubiquitous than voting machines, optical scanners, and they have a natural error rate of five percent because they are not calibrated for certain inks and even the inks they are calibrated for not very accurate. And it's not done for accuracy. It's done for speed. It's done for election official convenience. And so if you put optical scanners in your enemy's territory, 5% of their votes go away. Massive advantage. You just took, Elections are decided by one or two points. Five points? Devastating. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And so they handed out Sharpies to people, and they knew 5% of those people minimum would be taken out. And the best part is, they have the cover of being like, "Oh, our, our our optical scanners accept sharpies." This is propaganda. Except the optical scanners will knock them out at five percent. Wow. And so these are the tricks they play. Let me give you another great example. This is this happens on any state.
0: That the deniability has- there, though, is really something something else. It's really interesting, you know, because they always they always have to have that cloak of deniability, you know, and it's oh, like. Yeah.
1: The plausible deniability is huge and the, the loopholes they take advantage of. Yep. This one might be the craziest one. Any state that has a massive um, Native American population, but a very small a general population. We're talking about Montana, Wyoming, um, you know, the, these kind of Arizona, these right. states, they all have this. Utah, these, all, these states all have this happen on the Native American reservations. So they have polling locations. And what we don't realize is there's two types of of land on a reservation there is uh federal governmental land and then there's pure reservation land on reservation land our federal laws do not apply in any way they could be going 150 doing heroin in a car a cop can't stop them because in the end that's their jurisdiction not the cops and so the polling locations take advantage of this they don't put the polling locations on governmental property. They put it on the reservation property, which means they can literally then hand fifty dollars or a hundred dollar gift cards to people, uh, and sometimes even the checks were for a hundred bucks. And then the the funny thing is, these checks would bounce. These assholes, <laughs> you know. And so you know they they would hand all these things out, and it's not even illegal because. All they would have to do is put the polling location on the portion of the reservation where it was federal land. And then they would have to abide by any natural jurisdictions and laws that we have in America. But if you put it on reservation land, you can do any hanky-panky you want. Right. So it's, the way they abuse the system is just fascinating and disturbing. And by the way, so we, did, we proved it with American History of Voter Fraud. We're going to prove the exact same thing with the medical community. I have a psychology degree. The way all science disciplines fudge their data and then use that data as foundational so that they can continue. It's just like American history of voter fraud. History is written by the winners. And if those winners won by cheating, you have a cheating history that you exist under. You have a corrupt system you exist under. You exist under a banana republic, not a representational
0: republic, not a democracy. You're an oligarchy. Yep. And this is one of the things that maybe we can talk about Joe Biden's speech the other night because uh, I haven't really talked about it on the show yet. I don't know if you caught it. But I,
1: I I caught it. Um, I do think it's funny that there's all these Hitler comparisons. But you go first. You go first. <laughs> well, I,
0: what I thought was funny about that was that I got on the. I didn't watch it, you know, live when it happened. I get on Twitter the next day and I see "pedo Hitler" trending with 167,000 tweets, and I was like, "What the hell? Like, what? Why is "pedo Hitler" trending?" It went nuts. I click on it, and I see Cat Turd's original thing, and I'm like, "Oh, this is about Joe Biden." I'm like, "No wonder." I'm like, "So it just—it's funny how they, you know, it's spectacular backfiring. You know, they come out with this big speech about the MAGA Republicans, how they want to." Uh, you know take away our democracy i always find them this this use of our democracy very disingenuous because when i hear joe biden says say that or when i hear you know any one of these like democratic leader bigwig people use that phrase immediately what i think of is is their control over our government and our culture and our media um so i think of you know basically like the fascist sort of proto-fascist organism that exists within the uh, democratic party so when they say you know threatens our democracy i'm like yes yes we do i'm like we want to take you know your democracy away and and make it our republic once again so it, it just blows my mind mind, they come out here and they say all these things and they sort of confess through projection, you know, like basically everything that he accuses the the MAGA Republicans of is what he himself and, you know, his regime... And the uh, the underlings within the regime, it's what they do. You know, they are trying to combine private and public power in order to censure and silence anyone that doesn't agree with their agenda or their you know, their proposition on their policies, you know, just letting the you know everybody come across the border, you know, giving out thousands of dollars to, you know, big, big banks and big interests. The funny thing about the student loan thing, I don't have to get off topic on that too much, but one of the things I heard is that a lot of the bailout, like a lot of the funds from that. <laughs> it's going to go right to, you know, the the companies that are holding the debt. And so, you know, there's a, a big windfall for a lot of these, you know, BlackRock style okay. equity firms. So, that's, yeah, that's,
1: that's a great point. People don't usually uh, talk about the other the other point really quickly before we get into the Joe Biden speech. So on the student debt thing, this is the uh, b- one of the best tricks they've played on the public. I actually I give the Biden administration a ton of credit for how conniving they were on this one because everyone bought it hook line and sinker. I'm actually shocked that the right they have not done a good job at attacking this because yes, he's he's giving you 10 grand. Your average student debt is 50 grand plus, okay? And he just hired 87,000 IRS agents. I wonder why. He's going after everybody's student debt money hard. Oh, we gave you 10 grand. Uh, so your minimum payments, they just went up a lot. Your interest rates, they just went up a lot. And by the way, all the forgiveness we were giving you gone. We gave you $10,000. That's your forgiveness that they, they're going to screw you so hard. If you have student debt, be prepared. This is actually one of the worst pieces of news you could possibly get. Oh, and by the way, your tax dollars are paying for it, and inflation just increased because of this terrible decision. So really enjoy it. Okay, now I'm going to get into uh, the Joe Biden speech. Uh, do you want me to do the Hitler comparison first or actually why it was a genius move by uh, the Biden administration?
0: Do tell me why it's a genius move.
1: This is all FBI and CIA propaganda to make him look cool and tough. Okay? Okay. All, the right fell for the trap hook, line, and sinker. Just like Dave Portnoy got played by Alex Stein, the right got played so hard on this. Every time you post the red picture of him, you make him look cool and powerful. You don't make him look like the decrepit old man that he is who poops his pants <laughs> and doesn't remember where the hell he is and can't go upstairs. You're making him look like Mussolini. You're making him look strong. This is the dumbest thing you could do, Babylon B. Post him a hundred times in his coolest moment. I don't care what you say, right? On the left, this is his coolest moment. They are excited. They are happy. And you're falling for it. This is the FBI and the CIA saying, we need to prop him up somehow. We're going to make him look cool. I don't, and we know it would be triggering to put the red thing up there. Because you can make the, all the Hitler comparisons you want. That was a symbolism of MAGA, okay? And, we, and the MAGA people, and trust me, I'm America first as anybody. That was a brilliant move what they did. They, they're on the front foot now. You're all on the back foot. You're attacking him. And your Hitler comparisons suck, by the way. They have no basis. Not you, by the way, Brentley. I'm talking to the <laughs> public. Um, so uh, yours was actually pretty good. So here's the here's the actual proper Hitler comparison as someone who's their first documentary was on the actual secret history of the Holocaust. And my grandma who went through the Holocaust taught me the real history of this. The Holocaust was about greed. It was not about slavery. And the whole Jewish thing was just a guise so that they could get free labor, just like the hatred of black people was just so that they could get free labor. Hitler wasn't. He's a puppet. Do you realize that? He was not even responsible for Mein Kampf, okay? Here's some history. IG Farben was a big pharma conglomerate. They were the most powerful conglomerate in Europe by miles. They had goals of being the biggest conglomerate in the world, spreading their big pharma from the European area to the whole world. What did they need? They needed a powerful politician in their best country to run something while they could do everything they needed, and that was Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was just a puppet of these powerful big pharma co- corporations. They ghost wrote Mein Kampf for him to echo everything that they wanted as big pharma companies. And I.G. Farben, the uh, this conglomerate today, it's Bayer. Your pain pills and all these other things they come from Bayer, the company that owns Monsanto. Monsanto doesn't even deserve to shine their shoes in terms of the corruption game, the evil game. Monsanto has been around for a week compared to what Bayer has done. Bayer murdered people in the 1800s with their decision making. Okay. This is the most evil company of all time. The Nuremberg trials, there's 13 Nuremberg trials. Okay. Not just one. We know about the one where we got the generals. When they took, when they did the, executives vijing Farben, our own lawyers said these are the people responsible for world war ii not hitler they're the one responsible for hitler's rise to power world war ii would have never happened if it weren't for their money and their influence and all these people got two to seven years and then they all got off on good behavior even though they're murderers with war crimes. They all got off on good behavior, and then they went on to work for us, okay? So this is is the history of the puppeteering that actually happens. Joe Biden is a puppet, and the fact that you build him up and give him all this credit is moronic, and it plays into everything they did. You should be like, oh, that puppet was up there with the strings, and he talked. Who cares? Who cares? What he says isn't important because he's a compromised president. There is— Literally a laptop with honeypotting and pedophilia on there that controls him. Oh, and sensitive information, too, by the way. But it's just not the headliner because, you know, there's all the other stuff. You know, you should focus on that. He's a compromised president. He got in through voter fraud. What he says doesn't matter. He's a puppet to the big pharma people who control him, just like Hitler was. That's the comparison. Not that, oh, he hates people. Who cares? That was all the distraction. Okay? Hitler, let me give you some brief history. Why did Auschwitz exist? Because the railroad was made to connect to the Bayer Auschwitz factory where they could manufacture Zyklon B. That's the only reason these these concentration camps existed, so that they could take free slave labor and make money off of this. The Jewish thing was just so they could manipulate you people. Okay, that was the whole point of it. They knew uh, if I wanted to enslave the world. okay, and I said I wanted to do it through greed. I couldn't get one of you. But if I manipulated you to think that you, the majority, uh, were looking at a minority that was subhuman for any reason, whether they're unvaccinated, Jewish or whatever, I could get you to enslave them for free. Okay, that's how easy it is to manipulate the public with race. Race is a subset. It is subsidiary to greed. It always has been. It always will be. It is the scapegoat so that they can pull off more greed and, by the way, kill you while you're doing it. But, yeah, focus on the race because that really matters. You need to watch Dick Gregory to really see and learn about race because even he said, you know, that he was – uh he, you know at the time he was doing an interview again so if he said he was black they wouldn't get it he said he was a negro third he was an american second and you, need, you all need to remember that you're an american first before you're any of these other races even the great dick gregory the greatest comedian of all time that's what he said so you need to you all need to get a grip with this racial stuff who cares i'm jewish Got my little stupid thing on right now. Okay? You know, it, none of that really mattered. There are Jews right now running the next Holocaust. You think race matters? You think religion matters? There are people of my own faith who disgust me. Just like the reason why I'm on is because the previous documentary we did was on CRT. The fact that these guys are fighting the good fight against people mostly of their own people. Saying you're ruining all the, the stuff I fought for, I got us. Pro- I progressed us so far. You're ruining it. I have a comedian, Ty Rivera. You need to check him out. Best LGBTQ comedian in the world. That's his words, not mine. But you know, you got you got to check him out. He is the Dick Gregory of the LGBTQ uh, comedy community. What he said will stand the test of time, and what he did, he's helped more, just like you and Daniel have helped and, against all this BS. What he said, he changed the world. And th- what was his name again? One more time Ty Rivera, T H A I Rivera. This is a man of integrity. And this guy's hilarious while doing it. The best gay jokes you'll ever hear. And he does it from a place where both sides can relate and both sides have empathy. And you go, oh, I do get the other side. Every person on the right needs to watch Ty Rivera today. You will understand their side much better. And in the end, as long as they aren't messing with kids, who cares? Okay, that's the that's the key. No one, if you t- anyone who messes with the kids, you're bad. Okay, wood
0: chipper, straight to the wood chipper.
1: Yeah. So in the end, that's that's the that's the key difference. You know, it preying on you know preying on these non teenagers is disgusting. It's really that's really and there is a dividing line by the way. So it really is. What, what you guys have done and what Tyre Vera has done, that's what changes things. And what Dick Gregory has done, that's what changes things. All these people trying to paint Joe Biden as a racist, that actually buys into what the FBI and the CIA want, making him look powerful. Okay, so honestly, a lot of these people who are talking about Joe Biden, they're playing right into the trap. And it's kind of fun to watch. You didn't actually. You did a good job describing... You know, more of the the base hypocrisies of it and the projection. And, yes, those are the obvious things. But when you try to make pedo Hitler trend and stuff like that, why do you think it's trending? They wouldn't let it trend unless they liked
0: the fact that it's trending. Yep. You have yep. to
1: think about that
0: when you see 167 thousand tweets there you just have to you have to wonder like why are they letting it trend because
1: too many American first people have been banned for there to be 167 thousand people really I mean especially because they're on all the time and they and because everyone's shadow banned the message doesn't get spread efficiently throughout the group right so th- that is FBI CIA bots increasing that number throttling it up that's Twitter throttling it up saying we like this. And when that happens, you have to be you have to worry about that. Unless everything you do is being shadow banned and censored, you know they like it. If they throttle it up, you're making a mistake. Everything we do is shadow banned, yet we still have people watching us. That's because we're the people's champion. We're not the censor's champion. If you say anything that's the censor's champion, you're making a huge mistake. You're buying into their stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to know. I mean, it's very hard to know, and a lot of people. I feel like you know they, they see Pedo Hitler trend. It's you know cheap laughs, and everybody, especially who doesn't like Joe Biden, already
1: red team, blue team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red team scored a touchdown. Yay!
0: Yeah. So everybody's like, yay! But although at the same time, like I didn't even think about the way that you put it. Um, As if it's, you know, they're trying to make him appear strong, that there's this idea, you know, using the red as the MAGA colors to sort of like trigger. The I, 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 that- as,
1: someone, as someone who made American History of Voter Fraud, I need to elocute this to the audience. They did you see what happened in 2020, November 3rd, at a certain time when everything was finished counting? Uh, mm-hmm. Trump was ahead, but in a landslide. And then. Five hours later, after election officials kept working through the night without supervision, suddenly things changed shockingly. So you think they care about polls? You think they care about public perception in terms of the negative side? All they want to do is find this just enough to prop him up to say, oh, when we rigged it, oh, it it worked. I mean, you, you know, he actually was pretty popular. You guys were all talking about him in his red speech. He's actually a pretty popular guy. You guys talk about how, you know, there's no way he could get 81 million votes. There's no way. But, you know, you're getting given him a lot of attention, a lot more attention than the 6 cars he could actually get in a genuine rally. And that's that's the main issue I have with this. The real pain to him is ignoring him and understanding he doesn't really matter. Focusing on things like election integrity and taking down big pharma that would hurt him. What you're doing right now helps him, propping him up. This red team, blue team thing doesn't matter post a rigged election. It's I also this concept. If if the election was rigged, allegedly then the subsequent elections would not matter because they would have to continue rigging the elections or else they would all go to jail for rigging elections. Yeah. So I need you to understand this hypothetical hypothetical censors. Okay. It is if, if they did this, they would have to continue to do this over and over. Just like if the FBI and the CIA murdered, jfk along with a bunch of other people they would have to continue to murder people who might know about this secret you see what i'm saying now these people have to do this or else they go to jail yes so you think that they're just gonna let you uh post pedo hitler and oh red team scored a touchdown you're scoring in a touchdown that in a game that doesn't matter Right as the clock strikes zero, you're gonna see 69 touchdowns for their team on the scoreboard. You're like, how did that happen? We were winning the whole game. Yep. You didn't check the scoreboard. The oh, scoreboard is run by the corrupt people who maintain their power via voter fraud.
0: Yeah, and uh, I was also, you know, I've been suggesting that we're gonna see more false flags, especially in you know the upcoming months as we oh, lead. Oh, I,
1: I forgot to mention this in the Hitler comparison: the Reichstag. There was his own January 6th. Okay, these false flags are not conspiracy theories, they are a repeated pattern over and over in history. Yep, Dick Gregory talks about this in his set how they, they faked these explosions of these tanks on the Czechoslovakian Russian in the Russian conflict to make it appear a certain way. They have always done this in every country. There have been false flags. So when Brantley says, False flags, it is, not a cons- it is not a conspiracy theory. And by the way, conspiracy just means two people planning a crime. So consp- even conspiracy doesn't mean anything negative. That's another FBI and CIA propaganda thing. But it's, it's not even misinformation to say false flags. I know the censors want to get on your ass for that. No, this is the Gulf of Tonkin, the WMDs in Iraq. There have been so many false flags in our own lifetimes. So let Brentley talk when he talks about false flags. I know the censor is going to freak out, but let him talk about false flags.
0: Well, I think we're just going to see, you know, more mass shootings and we're going to see the, the patsies being blamed as America first MAGA Republican extremists who want to tear the country apart, you know, through violent revolution and all this stuff. And they're going to, again, just project all of the crimes of the radical sort of left onto, you know, whoever they can whip up into doing something, you know, wrong, whether it's, you know, just somebody who's actually hit a breaking point or an actual like MK ultra victim, They've Weaponized and, and groomed, you know, for the purpose of being like a living weapon. That's the other thing a lot of people don't know in the history of MK Ultra. Like, they they probably have people that they can just you know call up on the phone, give up the code phrase, and then they go and execute you know some sort of mass um, casualty event. Because these are the kind of things that these people have been working on for decades, going back into you know the post World War II period, Project Paperlip, Paperclip.
1: Oh, absolutely,
0: But yeah, so just something to be aware of. And I, I keep like putting it out there because I just feel like, you know, any day it's gonna like, did you hear the story about this guy in Mississippi who was like threatening to crash an airplane into a Walmart and then it just, he, he, it uh, got resolved, resolved real quickly. And like the guy was arrested, but you know, the, to be fair
1: I, to him, that is the tallest building in Mississippi, <laughs> is the Walmart. So it was kind of like the nine eleven of his, of his state
0: but, you know, I didn't see anything come out about him. So I figured, oh, well, it must've been a mental health issue and he didn't have the right background. You know, if he had been a Republican or, you know, anything like that, it would have all been out and blasted all over. But because there wasn't anything to it, it was like the whole story just gets memory hold and goes away. Oh, if he was
1: Muslim, they would have been so excited because uh, the FBI and CIA on record, 24 of the 25 Muslim extremist terrorists that they caught they created. Yep. So it, <laughs> it, it is kind of, it is kind of funny that they, they do this like uh, Whitmer, the Whitmer um, kidnapping uh, right before the, uh, the 2020, uh, like right before January yes. 6th, that yeah. was more than half FBI informants and the rest were homeless people who are just like, yeah, I want food and money. I'll do whatever you guys say. I mean, the FBI and the CIA create these most of the time. So even that guy, I wondered, did he talk to the FBI or the CIA? Most of the shooters, you know, are FBI and CIA involved. Going back to Columbine. I mean, the Columbine one has a crazy amount of FBI and CIA involvement on multiple levels, actually. And multiple people have connections and different connections, separate connections. I mean, and then you continue to go down the line. I mean, even the most recent one, the Buffalo shooter, he had a a ton of contact with the FBI and the CIA. Same with the Uvalde shooter. I want to really quickly talk about this because no one's mentioned this, and I think you'll love this. So Uvalde, everyone talks about how the local police, they were at fault. Wrong. They were held up by the FBI and the CIA, and this happens constantly. The local police hate the FBI and the CIA because there's a power hierarchy. And anytime something big like this happens, the local police uh, basically are emasculated. They have, they are told to stand down. They, they have no control of the situation anymore. They are being told to they, they are being ordered around by the FBI and the CIA. And frankly, the, the issue was not that they were being <laughs> brave. The issue was that the police, and the FBI and the CIA got in a dick measuring contest as kids were being murdered. And here's the thing, though. The FBI and the CIA are way more complicit in this because they have a lot more information on this shooter. The, the police do not have all this intelligence on the shooter. So they have more of a right to be, like, um, incompetent here. The FBI and the CIA know everything about this kid, literally from birth they have a file on him and they probably helped create him this kid worked part-time at a wendy's and he had five grand to spend and by the way he he the the gun he could have got for 700 bucks he got the 2600 version okay and that version happened to be you know harder to trace and yada yada all the things the fbi and the cia would coincidentally want if they you know allegedly bought this gun for this shooter Okay, that there is no way in poor Uvalde, part time at a Wendy's. I want you to understand they don't even make ten dollars an hour. Okay, in poor areas in Texas, minimum wage is not even ten an hour. Okay, and this kid in poor Uvalde had five grand to just blow. You're out of your mind. This is an FBI CIA involvement all over it and they made the cops take that long. Now, I do I, you know, am I defending the cops? No, but the real criminals in that, the FBI and the CIA. You have to attack them 1000 times before you attack the local cops once. I'm sorry, but that's that's just fact. They have a 1000 times more information. They had a 1000 times more, you know, complicitness in the crime. They are the responsible ones. The local police, they are victims of a pattern that happens over and over again. They can't do anything because the FBI and the CIA will literally arrest them if they go against their orders. So and it, it is an issue of law and order hierarchy, and they feel like I have to be in the fight to save it so I can't get arrested or like be out of it. It is much more conflicting on the local police side than the FBI. Who are creating this scenario? When they could just work together and go in and save the kids,
0: but that's not what it's about. It's about pi- power and hierarchy, and they want and a more. body count. They want a higher body count. They want a mass casualty. Yeah, I,
1: I think you know you you can speculate on that, but I think the motives are really there to say, yeah, you want you want a little bit of mess. You want some. You want some numbers. You want some casualties, or else it's not going to have as much impact.
0: Oh, and look um, what happens every time one of these events, you know happens. it's a it's a new debate about how we can restrict gun rights. Uh, sometimes it's you know we're taking away body armor now. Uh, it's, in Canada. It, it, it's not just gun rights
1: it's it's gun rights and we can censor you more, track you more, every and second. you know really violate your privacy. Yep. so the guns are the tip of the spear. They're the headliner for sure. But it's all the other stuff insidious to that. That's why they really want to get to you, and then they want to distract you with the guns, which are very important. Trust yeah. me, we cannot lose our guns. But they wanna they want to have this one thing over here to distract you from the four other things that they're destroying.
0: Yes. It's always a sleight of hand, you know. It's always look at the shiny thing right here while they're over here doing. And like- it's
1: smart because the guns are important. So you're looking at it like, don't touch my guns. Oh, what they they just stole four of my my freedoms. Oh no, yeah, damn it. Uh, At least I have my gun, but still, where do my freedoms go? (laughs)
0: Well, it's like, look what they're doing to farmers. So, you know, we're concerned about abortion rights and gun rights. And meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, there's this Amish farmer who I guess got a little too big. You know, he was just doing a little too much business. He had a private sort of co op with like 4,000 people on his customer list who were coming to him for beef, water buffalo, uh, raw milk, eggs, cheese, all this kind of stuff. These are and, the exact
1: type of people, by the way, Thomas Jefferson said, were the backbone of our country. Just right? so you know.
0: Exactly. exactly. Um, and the uh, USDA and the FDA come to him and say he's, you know, illegally, you know, distributing across state lines, all this stuff, um, because, you know, he had customers, his customers would come to him. You know, and maybe they lived, in, you know, in Ohio or in Maryland or whatever, but they, they would come to him to pick up their stuff and they would take it home. But like this dude is doing nothing wrong. He hasn't had one customer complaint. This She's is just sick. It's yeah. And they, they hit him with a $300,000 fine, which well he, they know, you know, he's well above any amount of money that he's just got available to, to put into to fighting it. And, um, you know, it's like an ongoing battle now. He's got his next court date coming up. But like, this is just one example of the things that they do. And they do this to small businesses, to me- small, medium-sized businesses, because they want to control the food supply and they don't want to have you know, independent farmers you know having direct connection with the people in their community, providing them with food because they want those people to go to the food store and to buy from you know, the, the approved suppliers. And it's funny because we see the same thing play out across all industry. We see it in comedy with the hand-chosen approved comics that aren't funny Um, and with, you know, the, the food that's, you know, not organic or, or like, you know, the, the big boys that can afford to hire the USDA employee in their facility, you know, if you can afford to be in their little mafia and their little, their little club, then they let you play ball. But if you're doing your own thing, you know, off to the side, it's like, we're going to shadow ban you. We're going to downregulate you. We're going to slap you with fines. We're going to send our IRS agents after you. And it, 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 to me, it's communism. This is communism. Like it's core. Like, <laughs> and people want to pretend, you know, that like fascist MAGA Republicans are the problem. I'm like, have you looked out your window like in the last like six months, two years at all? Like Jesus.
1: Yeah. So. The, the red team, blue team arguments are just so uh, inane because so both good. sides, both sides have done terrible things. But at this point, the it's funny because the America first, uh, whether you want to call it MAGA or America first to me, it's kind of the same thing. Um, that's the side of freedom of speech. And that's actually ironically the most classically liberal side currently is the MAGA side as comedians. We naturally gravitate to any side that is freedom of speech, you know, if, and so at the moment, you know, cause Back in the Bush era, the Republicans were a total embarrassment. Yes. I mean, and they were pure establishment. warmongers. I mean, there's, there's nothing to defend about the Bush era. Right. And so back then, if you were for the red team, you were kind of wrong. And then as soon as Obama steps in, I'm going to be the most transparent president ever. And he started ACORN uh, literally the first year that he he ran for president. And uh, that helped rig rig the election. Don't worry, we cover it in the film. We back up what we say. But, uh, you know, this guy, as soon as he gets in, he's, you know, if you're on his side, you're a moron. And we give Jon Stewart, by the way, way too much credit for the easy jokes of uh, attacking Bush and then getting uh, Obama wrong the whole time. So, Jon Stewart, you suck. OK, you're like, and really a lot to complain. And yeah, it's like, they, they, you know, these these people, most both sides have really bad. And then Trump got in 2016, to 2019. He was for you. OK, his record proves it. I don't care what he said. His record was for you. And then 2020 happened. And I can't defend anything there. <laughs> he needs to apologize right now. <laughs> He needed to apologize yesterday for Operation Warp Speed. And the main thing was allowing the mandates to occur within that. Yeah. You know, being lied to by the medical community, that's one thing if you actually uh, apologize for it later. We actually understand being lied to, Trump. If you came out and said, Fauci and the medical community did what they did to everybody, which is lie about data, misrepresent the situation so that they can make money. We would actually empathize with you, but because you're trying to be the ultimate salesman and like protect what you did, you're, you're, you're being complicit with his crime and his crime is the largest crime in human history. Yep. And I am doing the next film on this and I'm telling you the numbers exceed The largest crime previously, which is not the Holocaust. It was the great leap forward by Mao Zedong, killing 100 million of his own people. Yes. That is going to be exceeded. Okay? And you do not want to be attached to this. It is a big pharma plan that we cover that has been going on for over 100 years. Just like you said, oh, they're trying to feed you bad comedy and bad food. They don't want an independent farmer because he doesn't put pesticides on his food that destroy your immune system. Right. That's the main issue. They're all trying to go after the same thing. They're trying to take you down, take your power down. And by the way, make you unhealthy and sick so that you don't even have the strength to fight them. Okay. They don't want you to be healthy in any way, mentally or physically. Because the more unhealthy you are, the easier it is for them to control you and for you to not comprehend what they're doing to you. We've all I I just did a clip on the ingredients in the shot and it's 24 CDC backed up studies. Okay, and we don't need to go into the details due to the sensors. But just the fact that I put in that much into the clip, you should check it out. You know, the, this is what Brentley and I do. We actually back up what we say with facts and information, and it's exhausting, and it takes a while, actually, because if you spread misinformation for their side, you're allowed to do that. Fauci and all them said the shot would prevent transmission, and none of them got an issue. Maddow went on this huge rant of, if you get the shot, it stops with you. The virus stops with you. And that is patently false. That is misinformation. Now the CDC acknowledges that. Rachel. Rochelle Walensky acknowledges that.
0: They're allowed to say it. They made it on video that she lied and that they knew they were lying about this about the efficacy at the time. Like it's all out there now. And what's funny is they're trying to turn it into a Trump, you know, loss. They I've yes. seen this it's like, all a cudgel. They're trying to turn it around now and be like. Oh, you know, it's like the Trump vaccine and, and Trump, you know, this and Trump that, because I feel like, you know, if they have to, they'll, they will, they'll cut Fauci loose, you know, and maybe, maybe we will see prosecution of, of Fauci and Peter Dazak. There's a name people don't know. Peter Dazak is oh, one of yeah. the main yeah. figures responsible for the illegal laundering of American taxpayer dollars through the NIH and the NIAID. Um, into China to do this illegal gain-of-function research that likely was responsible for spawning the coronavirus. And and the key also, he's
1: Ukrainian. The amount of (laughs) bioweapons research we do in Ukraine is shocking. And this is also on record. We
0: were were doing a lot of until a certain Russian, uh, you know, adventurer slash totalitarian dictator who gets a lot of hate in the media decides to go in and, you know, Destroy a bunch of their labs. I, I want people to understand. Here's the actual
1: context of <laughs> Ukraine and Russia. This is a proxy war where Ukraine isn't really a country. I'm sorry, Ukrainians, but you have the most corrupt government in the world, by except for like China. Okay, this is this is a just a cesspool of corruption.
0: And it was bad before the coup in 2014 when the yeah. CIA went in there and installed all their buddies.
1: This is a this is a country that exists either as a weapon for the Russians uh, and when they have their stooge president in or it exists as a weapon for us when we have our stooge president in. And that's all Zelensky is. is he's our guy, whereas Yanukovych right, was, was his guy. Yes. OK. And we rigged the election, acknowledged we rigged the election against their guy and now we just run their their country this is a proxy war and by the way when we got our guy in we started putting bioweapon research labs into there and we're kind of and we're using stuff on the russian people and we're launching weapons into there and you think they are going to do anything when they they know for a fact oh we could actually win this easily uh, very easily and they already did, by the way, they control all the key portions of Ukraine, and they're just letting them starve monetarily and you know finance like, you know, they have all the oil, they have all the water. <laughs> you think they didn't win? Russia just dominated. And they did it with minimum casualties and minimum amount of uh, financial issues. I mean, it was a clean sweep what Russia did. And kind of embarrassed the West because they got housed in this proxy war. Absolutely housed. They only control the portions that Russia doesn't care about. Congrats.
0: Yeah. And the other thing people don't know is that Zelensky is an actor. He was an actor, you know, before. Actually,
1: he's a comedian. Which makes (laughs) me sick. He's the richest comedian in history. Yeah. And it makes me disgust because he works for this billionaire. I forget his name. It's some rushy, rushy name. Anyways, you know, he's got he's he works for this billionaire and this billionaire just pays for his all of his move, and he's A puppet to the billionaire. And that billionaire was a puppet to Putin, Yeah, you know, and so it's just kind of funny how this all works. It ties back to what you were saying about Biden. This is really just a puppet president and we're propping him up to be pedo Hitler when Hitler was a puppet. Come on.
0: Well, and they're using the same strategy that Trump used very much to his success in 2016. You know, mm-hmm. he becoming, you know, like th- this antagonistic bad guy mm-hmm. persona, it, you know, it makes, it charges your base and it charges the, uh, you know, it charges your base because all of a sudden, you know, you have this like new, uh, this new bad guy to, to attack. Here's and- the other thing.
1: If we all laughed at
0: Biden... And said, oh, we don't take
1: this guy seriously in that moment. Right. That would have been the antidote. But everyone took it way too seriously. The right, their biggest issue, as someone who came over from the left, I can tell you this for a fact, no sense of humor, no ability to have fun at all. (laughs) I walk around at CPAC, and I'm talking to these people, and you guys need to get a sense of humor. You guys need to understand that this is actually a game and they win the game because they take it less seriously than you. They are allowed to do the jujitsu move of letting these things reflect off of them. As opposed to you just, you have to get punched in the face every time. You oh, I have to be in the fight. Oh, it's so serious. It's not always that serious, actually. And you're playing into their game by taking it that way. We all just said, oh my God, this, this puppet tried to make himself look like a president. Hilarious. Look at his red visage. Oh, he tried to look powerful. He looks like a clown. If we had done that, that would have been the perfect antidote. But we called him Peto Hitler, which is literally as powerful as you could talk about it. Not only is he Hitler, but now he's Epstein, too. This guy sounds so powerful. I mean, <laughs> like, wow, Hitler never even did that. I mean, you know, So it's like you're playing into it wrong. You yeah. made it Dark Brandon's finest hour. You know, it was such <laughs> a Stop making movie. dark
0: brandon happen. Like
1: just let him fade because, away. Again, that's Dark Brandon is just FBI CIA thing. They literally had focus groups. They paid them millions of dollars. They're like, Oh crap, how do we turn this branded thing into something positive for us? And it took a month, by the way. It took a month of focus grouping this. Okay, it took them a long time, and they're like, oh, dark brand. And it wasn't even great, but it's the thing that hit the hardest when they tried to throttle it up artificially on social media. You guys also need to read, by the way, you, you, oh, you think, oh, I'm lying about this stuff. The University of Stanford did a study on the Wu Mao army, which is millions of people in China just doing propaganda on Twitter solely, getting paid 50 cents equivalent per post that's what mao means 50 cents and so you're getting you're they're getting paid per post and you go to trump you used to be able to go to trump's twitter and it was just so many ccp bots and by the way they would take pictures of your teenager in america use that picture without your permission and use that as their avatar and then they would post all these like weird emojis that honestly the American phones don't have access to it was like you know my, my, my friend has a Chinese phone he let me use it and it's like I have these emojis but I didn't know my American phone so it's like it was you know it was so obvious that these are bots Yeah, you know and from the CCP and what I mean bots these are actual people but they're slaves right. and they, these aren't people with their own opinions they're literally being quasi whipped you have to say these things as like you're doing it. So they're a bot. They're a modern version of a bot. There's a human, but it's a bot. You know, so it's when you see what these, you know, what people are paid so much money. It's, it's, it, it's only 50 cents, but these are millions of people. Millions yeah. are doing this every single day, every single post. So much money is being spent on propaganda just to mess with your mind. The information war is the most important war by miles. There's, there's all these different types of war. Kinetic war is the one you know of. But the psychological information war and the economic war, those are the wars that matter. Them trying to destroy the value of your dollar with inflation, that matters much more, you know, much more than the kinetic war. And, and by the way, we would lose a kinetic war. Uh, if our unvaccinated boys were in there, we would win, but our unvaccinated boys are out. We would lose a kinetic war. When the war happens, people are going to have heart attacks. No joke. The pressure, the blood pressure is going to rise. And when they're flying planes, this is documented. People will have heart attacks in the heat of the battle because of what happened to them. So unless we have our unvaccinated boys in there, We would not even win a kinetic war. Just letting you know. We now have seamen uh, submarine people who are running into things. This has never been documented in Navy history. They're just randomly running into sandbars, their own other like submarines, enemy submarines. We ran into a Chinese submarine on accident. Oops. And we had to apologize. Not Do you know how fun. competent our military is right now? Because we launched all of our unvaccinated boys out.
0: Yeah, we had uh, Colonel Rob Manus on, who was a thirty-year, thirty-two-year, uh, actually, I think, Air Force veteran, who was all over. I think he was all over in all different areas of uh, of, of the of the force, and he Badass. he says now, for the first time in his life, um, to, he's advising people not to go in to the military you know he was in there mm-hmm. he goes his family line like his paternal line goes all the way back to like you know the founding of the country like all of his his grandfather yeah always served always all three of his boys were, were in and they're all out now because the way the military culture has changed it's not it's no longer what it was it's very maoist they're pushing a lot of the woke gender ideology a lot of the critical race stuff
1: and the struggle and, sessions shaming you publicly
0: and so, yeah, he's he's encouraging people now not to go in, and it's it's showing like they're they're having problems with recruitment and retention. They have far more people retiring than that they're, they're not even able to meet their most basic recruitment, uh, you know, needs. So we're 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 in and we're in a tizzy. We're in a trouble spot. Oh, um, and by
1: the way, uh, China has all has the most fighting age males uh, right now, and they have a long history of saying to their own people. We look at you as expendable and we actually want to get rid of at least a hundred million of you. So they're, they're literally propped up in a perfect position. They could use all of their men as kamikazes and they would be happy. Okay. This is a dire situation because the only saving grace for us right now is India. India just happens to be on our side because they're the enemy of our enemy. They aren't. We're actually we treat them terribly. The Trump administration treated them well, uh, but the current administration treats them as an enemy. And they're literally the only thing saving us from World War three, because right now, China and India are in a land war on the eastern side of India, western side of China. Most people don't know this because it's actually it's way more important than Ukraine. Right. Ukraine was the distraction so that. Putin and and G, they famously talk all the time. They collude, obviously. They're the two powers in the area. They have to tell each other, hey, I'm going here so you can go there. This is the agreement we have. You've always wanted Taiwan. I've always wanted Ukraine. (laughs) I'll go first to distract them. And then Xi kind of double-crosses As like, I'm not doing just Taiwan. I'm going to India. I'm doing it all, baby. Mongolia, <laughs> I'm going after all of it. People don't realize China has the longest history and the most losses. They have the most horrific losses. They got raped by Japan. They got raped by the Mongols. They always lose, and they are, they are angry. They are so angry about this because they they have a long history of getting their asses kicked and getting shamed and then having their own president their own prime minister murder them more than anybody else they are angry even xi jinping he started under the great leap forward literally shoveling shit. that was his beginning as a slave they're all angry. They've all lived a torturous, abused life as slaves. Unless you're Mao Zedong or Xi Jinping, you're a quasi-slave. You have no control of your time, your resources, your energy, or any decisions of your property. You don't even own property in China. Did you know that? They they you have a 7-year license and they can take it at any time. Yep. Doesn't matter. Yep. And so We are existing, by the way, under a modern holocaust just in China. And I could go over a bunch of other places like Libya and and Yemen and Somalia and Ethiopia and all these other places where uh, genocide is occurring today. Slavery is occurring today. But just China is the modern holocaust. The Uyghur camp is bigger than Auschwitz. It's bigger it has more people. It has killed more people. It has taken organs and sterilized
0: more people than Auschwitz. I heard they're even uh, intentionally uh, they're they're using rape to uh, impregnate the Uyghur women in order to have uh, babies that they can use to replace the population with uh you know they want to thin
1: out the genetics so they rape them with chinese dna and slowly over time they get the uyghur dna out and this is actually again they have said this publicly yeah they literally tell you as a person in china that you should worship xi jinping more than god or your parents xi jinping is better than them that's what they tell you you are not allowed to say anything negative about Xi Jinping. We, we, we talk about North Korea all the time. North Korea, North Korea. China is a million times worse. A million times worse. At least North Korea is honest about it. Jack Ma is a pretend billionaire. He yeah. might as well be Britney Spears under the conservatorship. Doesn't have control of any decision he makes. He's publicly rich, but privately he doesn't have any, any decisions over anything. He yep. said one thing out of line, they disappeared his ass for months. And yep. then he came out shaking, scared, like, oh, the is great. Oh, oh, the CCP's great. They have no control over anything. At least in North Korea, everyone's kind of on equal footing, and they know they're in jail. In yeah. China, they're in a jail without bars. <laughs> That's way worse. It's so much yeah. so less honest and scarier. In China, they're afraid to talk to each other. Did you know that? Even at their own work, they're afraid to talk to each other. There's a horrific video um, my friend Nuance Bro just posted. And it's this child drowning in a pool. And everyone just looks at him and drowns because they're afraid. They're afraid, oh, will I get in trouble if I save this drowning child? That's how fearful it becomes in a communist society. You're afraid to talk to your own neighbors co-workers and you're afraid to even do normal acts of humanity like save a drowning child you're that afraid and that's why that's why what your friend is saying oh i don't advise people to get in the military that's here yeah that's not coming that's here here. And Milo's dad is saying the same thing full navy lineage always navy they're out and they're not advising anyone to get in for the first time We're in a scary spot, and your friend was right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have to wait and see how it goes down. Hopefully, you know, conversations like this one and that, you know, I think our point of views are a little bit more uh, ubiquitous than the the mainstream likes to make it appear. Exactly. Uh, So that's why it's important to have the conversations to remind everybody to speak out and speak their mind. Um let everybody I think we'll wrap it up. Like let everybody know where they can find your art. All right. So um all our films are at Lilaheart.com
1: documentary. Everyone gets Lila's name wrong. They can't even pronounce it right. They call her Lila Layla the Lila. L I Lila, L A H A R T. Four letters and you guys <laughs> screwed it up. It's incredible l-i-l-a-h-a-r-t dot com slash documentary you'll find all of our documentaries we are gonna we are gonna be the most prolific documentarians of all time yes. by miles we have multiple documentaries we're releasing this year we already have six hours of documentaries for free planned to release this year and then we also uh technically the big pharma one is coming out this year too so we have eight hours of of documentaries, all original, all perfectly scored with my remixes, by the way, all original. You know, it's, it's music that I remix to make original music. So right. this is a these are all these are all incredible documentaries. American History of Voter Fraud is voter fraud is the most censored topic in the world more than anything else. There's documentaries on pedophilia. There's documentaries on big pharma. There was never. A single documentary on the entire span of voter fraud in the United States until American history of voter fraud. We're the first and the only. And there wasn't even a there was a six minute video from BuzzFeed and four of the six minutes were voter fraud never happens. Oh, what? Okay, that doesn't count. We're the only one who even attempted this because. There's nothing as censored and boring as voter fraud. And we made it into an entertaining masterpiece that you will watch for two hours. You'll blow through it. It is, it is actually, I've had people say, the only reason I stopped the film is to call other people and to freak out about the evidence. Have you seen this? Do you know about LBJ? That's the only way you're going to stop the film is to call people and talk about the other evidence. It's a brilliant film. And then because we're so censored, we have to make documentaries so that you watch our documentary. Okay, so we got Joan Rivers coming up. Wow, that's a juicy one. And then Dick Gregory, this is going to be the greatest film about an individual black person that has ever been made. When you watch this film on Dick Gregory, it exposes everything negative and positive about race in that time that they don't want you to know. Because there was actually a lot of positives about race that they don't want you to know at that time. And how Dick Gregory actually viewed the South as the positive ones and the north as the negative ones and how the south were at least honest about their racism and at least in the south i knew where to go and maybe they made mistakes but at least they liked some of us individually uh as opposed to the north where they don't like any of us individually they just like us as a group you have to watch this dick gregory thing i'm i'm almost done with it And we're going to have a big announcement on when the two hours is done. But just his performance in jail. You need to watch
0: this. That was good. I I watched
1: it. It's good. Definitely. This this guy, this guy is someone we should all celebrate. White, black, gay, straight, Jewish, blah, blah, blah. He was for everybody. And that's why he's the greatest comedian of all time. And then Joan Rivers is the greatest female comedian of all time. And that's why she gets her own documentary. And yep. then Monty Python, they're the greatest international comedian, <laughs> so they get their own documentary. And then we, we have a couple others that I was going to do into two-minute shorts, and honestly, they're too good. I have to make them. I'll announce one here for you first. Freddie Prinz. I'm turning that one into a documentary. That one is too good, and I have eight hours of rare footage that people don't know. Did you know wow. Freddie Prinze used to host Saturday morning cartoons?
0: I did not know that.
1: High as hell, too. He is so strung <laughs> out. And it is so funny. as He's like, da, 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 da. you know, it's like the, the cute little music's in the background. Saturday morning, Saturday morning. and You know, it's like, oh, my God, this is gold. <laughs> he, he has bags under his eyes like, where am I? You know, he's looking at these people like they're mickey mouse you know Ma- Mouseketeers, and he's looking at them like they're hacks
0: now and, is that is that freddie is that freddie prince jr's father yes uh... and
1: okay let me let me give you a quick preview to get you guys interested because i know most of you don't even know who this guy is at the time he was the youngest comedian to ever hit ever even younger than eddie murphy he at 19 got on the tonight show and Murdered, And this is when when you're on The Tonight Show, you're in front of 30 million people minimum. And then those 30 million talk to about 100 million people about your show, okay? He was an instant superstar. And he had a sitcom that was an instant superstar. And from 19 to 22, he was just a superstar. And then he died at 22. He killed himself. It's the greatest tragedy in the history of comedy. This guy was the greatest Hispanic comedian of all time by a mile. And also he was half Hispanic and half Jewish. He was like this weird combination. It was just so, he was so cool. I mean, an underrated impressionist, by the way, uh, uh, he did voices so well and just casually. Well, I mean, he, it wasn't even like the best part of his act, but when you watch him, you're like, Oh my God, he did black voices. Well, he did Italian voices. Well, he did Jewish voices. Well, I mean, he was just, hilarious and the ladies were obsessed with this guy. Oh my god. He was just pounding all day every day. He was crushing it. And I mean he was and you could tell he's an attractive guy, he's charismatic, he had complete control at 19. I mean, he had the palm of the world in his hands. Okay, and he was just shame. He was the man. And I know I screwed up the idiom with the palm and the hands. Whatever, guys. We're in. We're almost (laughs) an hour two. Screw you. Okay, but I'm telling you. Oh my god, he had a history of playing Russian roulette. I didn't know that. I'm I'm still. I haven't done the deep dive on him yet. To be honest, no. I'm just. He he played Russian. No. I mean, he felt like he was invincible. That's the best way I could describe it. And how could you not with his life? Yeah, he did. He was like Len Bias in sports. This guy was just like an incredible athlete, and then he took coke right before he got drafted by the Boston Celtics, number two, and then he was supposed to play with Larry Bird. He didn't. Just like that. I mean, tragic, tragic, tragic. At 22, we didn't get 1% of the genius we were supposed to get. This guy was incredible. And, you know, he also, he was supposed to be a great father. He was, he was... You could tell he's a loving guy, and he may have been a philanderer, but he's a loving guy. He would have been a great father to Freddie Prince Jr., and that's the other tragedy of it. It's like Freddie Prince Jr. has to grow up without a father, and being in the shadow of that, and not even knowing who he is, most of this footage isn't even there. This is actually, you know, the Joan Rivers thing, and the Freddie Prince thing, these are mostly, and the Dick Gregory thing, these are mostly for their kids. So they can even understand the great people they were, because this footage is all unforeseen. Dick Gregory did a whole they had a whole Showtime documentary. Not one second of our documentary is in their documentary. And I'm shocked because uh the his two greatest performances of all time, not one second is in your documentary. Trash, a, an embarrassment to the man and what he did. You know, I mean, same thing with Joan Rivers and then Freddie Prinz. There is no great documentary on him. Freddie Prinz Jr. deserves to see some of this footage and how cool his dad was. And, you know, yeah, he was a little bit of a playboy. Maybe he wasn't faithful. Okay, if that's the worst thing you can say about the guy, who gives a shit? And And he was really cool. And, like, he actually – black people really loved him. Like, (laughs) minorities, like, he was an outsider that you could connect with. Whether you were black, Jewish, whatever, you got him. You're like, oh, my God, he gets me. And that was the other tragedy of it is you lost someone who got you. There's a lot of people who get you. Like, Breitbart, you know? And by the way, I forgot to tell you, with Breitbart, uh, it was because he said he was going to have a documentary exposing Obama at CPAC, and then, like, a week later. Oh, you know, yeah, so. But, you know, it's any of these people who really want to help you, they get demonized, censored like Brantley and Daniel, and, and then sometimes when they get really good at what they do, they get murdered. So... You got to support people like Daniel and Brantley before it's too damn late. You never know. Like they're over the target. You never know. And the more you support them, the harder it is for the FBI and the CIA to murder them legitimately. Look at Alex Jones. Look at Dick Gregory. They were afraid to murder those two because uh, the, the, the public would riot. They got too big. So that's that's the thing. Just support people like Brent and Daniel and me. And the FBI and CIA can't even murder us, really. I mean, Breitbart, you know, his issue was uh, idiots like Steve Bannon bought the fucking FBI and CIA propaganda. Oh, you're working 20 hours a day. I work 20 hours a day currently. The FBI and the CIA, if I die, they murdered me. Okay. That's what happened. I'm working 20 hours a day. I'm fine. Okay. Big deal. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous how they framed it as oh we had a heart attack at 40 you kidding me you kidding yeah. me.
0: Well, it's it's just like today all these young folks killing over with heart attacks and Oh yeah.
1: Uh, we talk about this in the comedy community. We've always been doing coke laced with something wrong. Right. We've always been. Do- and not me, by the way. I hate coke. But <laughs> we've. And it's expensive. Ew. As a Jew, I'm like, oh, it's uh, expensive. Yeah, and it's
0: good. Sucks. Coke, good coke, coke is rare. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 the
1: good coke was all in the 80s, by the way. Uh, yes. You know, it was all uncut. Or you know, you need a time machine to have good coke. Right. But, you know, I mean, there's all these comedians who are doing all this bad coke and all these other things. There's one variable that got introduced in 2021 that changed everything. And that's when everyone started dropping. I wonder what that variable is. Sensors. You know? So, but that's that's the thing. is it That's the thing that's changing things. We're more vulnerable now. You have a weaker immune system because of this one variable that got introduced that was given to you for free, even though your tax dollars paid for it, morons. So, in the end, that's what's happening. And the fact that we have to even... Dance around it and do all these different phrases for it. If yep. that isn't enough of a, de- of a definition and example that we're in a banana republic, a quasi-communist society, like Brent was talking about, you need to open up your eyes and your ears. Eric. anyways lilahart.com cool. slash documentary <laughs> <laughs> the worst plug i've ever given went on a rant again right. right. uh, lilahart.com slash documentary i'm eric abenante on all platforms and love Lila heart on all platforms we're easy to find even though you have to type in our full name just like those guys that even find us or shadow band we make good stuff we make it for free just like these guys support us come on
0: Yes, everybody, definitely check out the American History of Voter Fraud. Check out my discussion with Miss Lila, You know our past discussion with her. It was amazing. And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Uh, Feel free to share the show with your friends. If you share the show with just one friend, it really helps us grow. One of the
1: best names in the game, Dangerous Rhetoric. It's very good. Um,
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's what we were accused of, and so we just sort of took it and ran with it.
1: Because, you know, we do immune to the system, and that's also a hot name. So I got to give a uh, good name respect because Dangerous Rhetoric is very good. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. I know what the show is, and it's it rings. It's a good name, Dangerous Rhetoric. I like saying it.
0: <laughs> thanks, Eric. Oh, Thank good. you so much for joining us. And everybody, hey, we'll be back again soon with another one. Bye-bye.